0: We focus so much on hospitality at the table, and I think about the people who try to emphasize in our elections, whether it's national elections, state and local elections, whatever, making sure that people can be a part of the conversation, making sure that people get not just a seat at the table, but also feel like they can be a part of this process. And I am so heartened that there are good people who do good work to help make sure that our our politics looks a little bit more like the country that we actually live in. One of those people who's doing a lot of that work is Ashley Wilson, who joins me right now. She's with NGP Van. She's the director of state and local political campaigns. She's also the founder of Politech in Color, com a website where she focuses on resources. Uh, Ashley, tell tell me who the who the, the website is for, and and also uh, what kind of resources. But first, thank you for spending some time with me at the table.
1: Definitely, thank you for having me. And so, as far as Polytech Poly- and color goes, um, it's a resource campaign, a resource website. I'm sorry for uh, candidates of color, first time candidates, and it's merely like just a place for people to learn more about where they can. Grow their digital presence. So I see a lot of campaigns will want to go door to door. Of course, you have to do that and raise your money. But what does your digital and online presence look like? And making sure that that looks professional and up to date, and you have all of those things ready. So those, so that's what you can get from Polytechnic Color.
0: One of the things that we talk about a lot in the national conversation is this ephemeral kind of BS concept of electability. And you deal with that, I'm guessing, every day. I'm imagining that you've probably had an electability conversation with just about everybody that you've consulted with. What is that conversation like when you're talking to a new candidate, someone who is looks different than just about everybody who's ever held that office before?
1: The conversation really typically goes, what's your online presence look like? What do you have going, you know, as far as your website, what's, as far as raising money, as far as your social media... And making sure that that looks just like everyone else, unfortunately. Like, you know, it has to be kind of uniform in that sense. So is your website up to date? Are you interacting with people on social media? Like, who's handling all of that for you? Um, When you're raising money, what do your forms look like? Um, Things like that. So those are the conversations you have to have um, to make sure that people know who you are and where to get more information about you.
0: And that's the thing that people, and, you know, I I think about the person who's, hearing this conversation and politically active and gives a damn about the places uh, that they live and the the issues that surround their communities they might want to be a first time candidate they might want to be someone who's different than who's represented their area in the past and i think it's important to have those resources but it's also important to know that you can do this like yeah. that's a that's a thing that yeah. that people how do you how do you help people overcome that hurdle too because i'm sure that there's a you know, everybody who's had this job is a straight white dude, and how do I how do I break that barrier? Yeah,
1: first of all, like knowing that it's not something that's super expensive. I think sometimes that's usually the barrier, right? People will think, "Oh my God, it's going to be so expensive to get a professional website um, to manage my social media to um, raise money." And it actually isn't. You can get a lot of these things at very low cost, but it's just a matter of knowing about it. And I think that's where the barriers come in. Um, so even at NGP, people will think, oh, I, you know, that's so expensive. That's something that President Obama used or Hillary used. And it's just like, actually, we actually have you know tools available for folks starting almost at $30 a month to start your online presence, to send out emails, to raise money. And so it's just a matter of knowing. I think that's really what it comes down to. And I think some people, that information, for whatever reason, doesn't get down to a lot of the state and local candidates.
0: The conversation that we're having can leave people feeling dejected. But when we're having a conversation about, you know, this is basically the the price that I would spend to see Netflix or something, then I feel like it's a little bit more in reach. And for, for me, that should be a sign of hope for somebody who is dissatisfied with the status quo, because I feel like we can get to a point where that feeling of dejectedness, that feeling of giving up, that only benefits the people who are in power, doing things that you don't like, and if you let that, if you let that fatalism overtake you, then, then you're just never gonna get out the door, let alone run a successful campaign.
1: Right. No, for sure, and so I think that's why I decided to start that blog, was because of the idea that every time I would talk to someone, I'm like, have you heard of, you know, Wix to start to do your website? They're like, wait, I can just build out a professional looking website. And it's just like, yeah, you don't have to pay someone thousands of dollars to do that. So everything, all of these things are very accessible. And so I think that was the point of starting this uh, blog. And then, you know, also working at NGP and working with um, organizations like DMO and DLCC to make things so affordable for our state and local candidates because I want that to be accessible to everyone because, you know, like you said, people can get like very discouraged thinking that that's just one thing that they don't have the money for.
0: And and the worst thing I think is to look at the levers of power and think those aren't for me. Right. And that, that to me—there's there, another side of this conversation that I want to address, which is kind of the national conversation. And this is maybe to put a, to put a different hat on and ask a little bit of your analysis, because you you talk a lot with candidates. As you said, first-time candidates, candidates of color. What we've seen in response to this Trump era of our national politics, unfortunately, the Democratic side for this presidential race has winnowed to a, a very— White, mostly older. I mean, it's it, it doesn't necessarily represent the Democratic base. It doesn't necessarily represent some of the issues that um, th- th- these candidates are even talking about. And so, I, I wonder how how you again thinking about both the work you do at NGP, but also the work you do with with initial candidates. How does that? H- how do you think about that? And how do you try to find some hope in that, given that? You know, this really we've seen in the last few weeks all the major candidates of color out of this national race.
1: For sure. And I know that's something that, you know, I've thought about definitely. And I think part of the conversation has to be about how we set up our primaries, right, where um, you have a state like Iowa and New Hampshire, that's typically maybe not reflective of the rest of the population, rest of the country and candidates of color feeling discouraged that going into those states, they may not get the support that's needed to win those states. So, I mean, it is discouraging. I'm still trying to like process what the next step, like what we can do. Um, and maybe, and to me, I think that's why a lot of my focus has been on the state and local level, because that's where you can see a lot of those changes being made. And then that may change the national, you know, what's going on nationally. So it is difficult. I mean, I think part of it really has to be, maybe we change what the primaries look like, what states go first, or just, you know, how we, how we set importance of what states go first.
0: I want to ask about two things that happened just this week um, because the electability question f- saw a feature. Apparently we are never going to stop talking about the 2016 campaign, Hillary Clinton coming out this week, and talking about Bernie Sanders and uh, how she, you know, she not. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah.
1: That's one way of putting it,
0: not a fan, huh? To, to Yeah, that's a very polite way to put it. I But then, you know, you, you see how and, and I, i'm saying you see you see how women are treated in right. politics she's talking about an issue that's real yeah. and look you know i i think she on twitter was kind of glib and afterwards was like you know i'll support whoever the nominee is whatever whatever but i just i she's talking about issues that are uh, that are real and and yeah. she's no one she is apparently not the messenger that a lot of people want to hear for those issues, but they're important. And so i i was I was hoping maybe uh, since since you are uh, slightly uh, less um, uh, politically toxic than Hillary Clinton, maybe you could try to put a different spin on this because these are these are important things.
1: interestingly enough, I've been listening to Michelle Obama's book. Recently, and we're at the point now where she's talking about—is it David Axelrod and Valerie Jarrett? We're talking to her about how she's coming across to people. So President Obama speaking, and he is like everyone is loving it. She's saying the same thing, and everyone is saying how she's um, emasculating the president. She is mean she's hard she's aggressive and she's like how am i doing this any differently and she she brings up hillary clinton and nancy pelosi as women who are doing the same thing but are deemed as shrill and you know are called a bitch and aggressive and so that is definitely something we need to look at like why is it that when a woman comes off as is sh- strong and you know to the point that it's all of a sudden she's not electable she has to come off as demure or um, elegant or grace, so graceful. And so I think that there is a bigger conversation to have there. And it's just a matter of hoping that this electorate, this these voters are able to see past those kind of like the way people have been looking at candidates and and look at them differently.
0: It's strange to me because we talk about how women have to thread that needle and you were describe you mentioned Pelosi, you mentioned Clinton, um Michelle Obama of course, right. former first lady. I think about you know in our re- in, in our personal relationships or whatever. This is in some ways a generational thing and it's weird to me that the 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 candidates who remain in this race are so much older because I feel like the Democratic electorate, the younger Democratic electorate, doesn't really, people I know who are under a certain age don't have a problem with women yeah. in authority. When you mention like, you know, like the
1: electability part, I'm, I'm hoping that a younger generation, a younger electorate will look past that and not like generalize that a woman who is standing strong is deemed like, you know, bitchy or whatever, um, but rather just a strong candidate. So I'm hoping that 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 changes as you know years go on.
0: The funny part for me is that I I remember being raised to value strong, intelligent, funny. I married one, love her very much, and I think about this like I I don't I don't get that desire for like softness. For in people in power like what what is it what you're saying really is you just don't want those people in power at all
1: women in power <laughs> that's all you're saying right because if you're like no she has to act a certain way then i mean you need someone who is strong intelligent to lead the country to lead the state to lead you know to be uh elected official. so exactly right like you don't want a woman to do it
0: <laughs> i think about some of the women who are you know in a national way leading that i think about like you know, now retired uh, Senator Mikulski, for example, a a woman who literally brought a little wood box to stand on wherever she went. Right. And she's like tiny. (laughs) And just, and just the idea, I don't know, for me, it's, it's such a strange thing. And I, and I think about this in terms of the conversation we're going to have, because obviously on the other side of the ledger is Donald Trump, who (laughs) isn't concerned about, I mean, appeals to a very different gender norm and a very different hierarchy of the sexes and the races and the, you know, and it's, and obviously I think, I think that the trouble that I have is that there's such a big chunk of the electorate for whom that's either a bonus or at worst a neutral, like they just don't, they try not to see it. And I'm not going to ask you to justify (laughs) Donald Trump because that is an unfair question. And I don't I don't I don't I don't think I, I, I don't I don't dislike you at all, let alone enough to ask you to do that. But what I would say is, what do you what what's your message to people in the Democratic side of the aisle who might find that? Is there a home for them? Be, if they think that that hierarchy if, for example in washington this week we've seen things like the the march for life you know the anti abortion uh crusaders coming down to dc and talking about this i mean there's a lot of questions for example there are you know d- democrats running for congress who are still pro pro life or you know anti abortion and and so these are these are issues that are not yet resolved and so is there a place in the Democratic Party, or d- does the party at this point require that, uh, that consistency?
1: No, there's definitely a place. I think we've seen that in the last um, cycle, right? You had all those, uh, was it the, the, the freshman women who were elected, AOC, Ayanna Presley? Like, you have these women who are dynamic, intelligent, strong and and, you know, have, and have stood their ground against the president, against the Republican Party. And so there's definitely a place. Um, I think it's just a matter of making sure that these candidates have the resources, um, the team that's available to, to get them to that point. And I think that's where the disconnect is, It's that there's not, it's not that there's not a place, it's just the accessibility to those resources
0: for people who live on the on the surface of our political conversation they may have seen something about AOC not wanting to chip in to the Detroit. I mean you you sometimes people get like 5% of a story and then they kind of run with it i think of it as the uh, the new york post headline version of a story where it's like you're not actually getting the nuance but you are certainly getting something what what's the message for someone who says well uh, i'm concerned about a lack of unity if you're not Going to support, you know, a Dan Lipinski or something like that, where you know there there's a real concern that that, that there isn't room in a in a party for someone who's got differing views on these major uh, controversial issues.
1: Yeah, no, there. I think there is. I think, and I think it's needed, right? Because like you know, for so long, I think we've all just been like, no, we have to have these certain views, and and. You know, the last election cycle, we've seen people who have come and challenged like incumbents and, and have won. And so and it's definitely needed. People are are waiting for this and people want it. So I think it's just good to just put it out there. I was just talking to a first time candidate in New York today and she's just like, listen, I just I, I want to be out there. I've been helping all these other candidates. I want to get my message out there. I don't know if I'm going to win, but at least now those things are part of the conversation and, and that they weren't before. So at, at the very least, you're getting your ideas and your um, and your thoughts out there and, and those policy ideas out there.
0: I think the cynic will view something taking diversity as a value and say you're just trying to tick some boxes. But I always think of it as, you know, I live my life and I've got this tiny little drinking straw of perspective and your life experience will... Because it's been different than mine is going to inform your policy preferences, your values in a different way. And we live in a democracy where there's going to be some people who disagree agree with me, there's going to be some people who agree with you. And, and to not have that makes us so much worse off. So I... I I I get really upset when I think when I see people who still kind of push out this this cynical view of of uh, a diversity question. And that goes back to the electability where I I think the most electable should be the person who is is different. And and it's kind of representative of something new. And you're talking about that with these new candidates who are toppling. I want to see more of that. But is that dangerous? Put put if, if, if I put my strategist hat on for a half second, is that dangerous to keeping a majority or trying to keep uh, in power?
1: No, I mean, and honestly, I feel like my story, if anything, is the story that most people will be able to associate with as a you know parent. I mean, my parents are immigrants. I'm a first time you know first generation American here, and so that I feel like that already that story resonates more than, you know, the, you know, someone else or what people deem as the more electable candidate. And so, um, of course we just need to get that out there. And I think that's what people have been fearful of that thinking that, oh, because of, you know, my funny last name, or I look different, that's not going to lead me to, to win, um, or even to be heard. But that's the story that gets out there more because now there's more people associated with that.
0: See, that's the thing that that gets me so excited. And again, we started and I want to end with this idea of hope because for me, just, just having this conversation with you right now, it's kind of infectious to me. And I'm so glad that you're doing this Professionally and and uh, consulting with new candidates, because I'm guessing that that is just as infectious for them. And I hope people who hear this conversation walk away from it and think, maybe this is something I can do. Maybe there are resources that I don't know about. Maybe because I have that name or, you know, you know, whatever, I, it, that's not a barrier that, that I can, uh, or I can overcome that barrier. I really hope that that's, that's the case.
1: No, I am saying it shouldn't be a barrier. You shouldn't look at it as a barrier anymore. At least
0: <laughs> what's been heartening to me too, is the idea that, that we can slowly improve the country by making sure that i i always feel like um th- there's a lot of uh, scholarship whether it's the 1619 project or a lot of the work that uh, for example like adam Silver is doing in the atlantic where you're talking about the idea that essentially the united states has only been a real democracy for the last like 50 years and the idea that until before then it was not really qualified you know i mean it was just far too exclusionary to To do that, and so I think, in some ways, this is a new experiment. Yeah. It it, it does it it doesn't even one generation old. Uh, it it doesn't really exist. So the idea that we're rebuilding this country every day, mm-hmm. and and that good people are doing it it make, gives me a lot of hope so i appreciate the work that you're doing and and trying to trying to make that project a little bit more successful
1: yeah no thank you and definitely i think you know like you said every day we're working to get more people who look like the communities we live in and work in to represent us and i think that's like you said that's something we're doing every day slowly but surely we will
0: get there <laughs> Democracy is an iterative process, and it is hard. It is so hard because you have to like wait <laughs> <laughs> until, until <laughs> things get better.
1: Right, and definitely don't get discouraged. I know there are times where it's it is discouraging. You know, you'll you'll get to a primary, you'll get to those points where you're like, oh, like you know, the best candidate didn't win. But you know what? We're we're just gonna keep trying and just keep getting those messages out there.
0: The other side of this, and this is um, even though I wanted to end on hope, I'm gonna end on something <laughs> a little a little snarkier because you know I get to do that sometimes. I, I feel like the one real benefit of the Trump era is that we know where everyone stands. Like if you're if you're fine with this, mm-hmm. I know everything I need to know about you and what your values are, right. and that to me, if the, if there's a if there's a wasp in the room uh, the actual insect or you know or anything the, the acronym might stand for I want to know where it is and now I know where all the bugs are and it's like and that it's a clarifying moment yeah. and that is has its own value I feel like
1: yeah no for sure and I think it also like you know while, this administration and this president was a negative. The positive that came out of it where all these people became so galvanized and ready to run for office. They are like, we can't let him just do whatever. Like, I think that was a very good positive. Like that, you wouldn't, I didn't expect it, um, but the number of people who decided to run for office locally especially it was just tremendous and I think that's just all a response to to him and those people who support him
0: in a couple weeks or maybe a couple months depending on uh, people who listen to this know that uh, my wife is about to have a baby at any any day now by the time you hear this it may have already happened I'm going to be uh, interviewing a college professor of mine who's got a book coming out uh, which is a hundred years of women's women's suffrage and so the idea that you know, if if our democracy is really only 50 years old because of jim crow like you know the the idea that it's only twice that old that even women have had the right and 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 just just the 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 path that we've taken and the the, the way we've come so again hopeful the people are activated uh and that and that is its own value
1: yeah no they certainly are as we can see with all the people running for president (laughs) and um everyone else who's running for like you know, local office, uh, state office. So I think, you know, so it's going to be an interesting cycle. (laughs) And already.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, sometimes, you know, what is the the Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times. Uh, (laughs) Ashley Wilson, uh, you're with NGP Van, which is actually where we are today. Thank you for letting me sit at your table, your director of state and local political campaigns. And also for people who want to see some of those resources, go to Polytech in color so that people can find those resources. And I guess leave if you could leave us with one thing for people who are thinking about running for office don't know what, what's what's the first piece of advice you would give to someone who feels like they have something in them they have that fire in their belly but they don't know what to do
1: i would start by getting all your friends and family together and saying how much they're re- willing to put into your campaign and and figure that out. <laughs> money money is what you need but just kind of getting that support system ready for what the next, you know, couple months, a year looks like.
0: I can only imagine having that conversation, <laughs> and I hope that people do. I hope yeah. that people do because they need to, and yeah. and we need to see them out there running, yep,
1: for sure. Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. Yeah, this has been at the table. I'm Jared Rizzi, and again, we focus so much on hospitality, with so much on the question of including more people at the table. And if you decide to run for office, and you've been listening to this conversation, please. Uh, Drop me a line so that we can have a conversation, whether it's on microphone or off. Uh, I'd love to know who you are and why you have decided to jump into the local whatever. I know that some of you have already told me that you're running for, you know, state state office or some uh, whether it's uh, getting more involved in uh, in in your school district or whatever. Uh, It's so important. And I'm so glad that people who uh, listen to this conversation get active and involved. It brings me a lot of hope and a lot of joy. So thanks for listening Uh, until next time.